Why don't you do the world a favor and pull your lip over your head and swallow? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Because they're all good kids until dried out, brain dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. I love it. This is Bugs and Hugs for Alibi Vodka. Friday morning, 10 o'clock, Bugs and Hugs. Always your opportunity to let us know what it is that is bothering you. And anytime we just give you the heads up that it's coming and the phone lines start ringing immediately, it's usually a pretty good indication that people have some bugs that they want to share. I'm going to start with Gail in Fairhaven, where I know you. I, I can predict what we're going to talk about, Gail. Thanks for calling in this morning. What's your bug? Good morning, Evan. I have a huge bug for city council who doesn't seem to realize they have a few choices of places to put shelters besides Fairhaven. Mm -hmm. And also they have a few choices besides in a residential community because due to the addiction crisis, the safety issue is off the charts for people living there. You know, we talk a lot about the challenges that your community is having, and and it's clear. I mean, people are not only calling into this show all the time and texting in, but you see it in media reports, and and so clearly their crime is out of control. Housing rates are being affected. There's a bunch of different effects. If consultation had been done properly up front, do you... Do you think it still would be the problem that it is today? Like consultation, although it's important, I don't know that it would have been able to predict what we are now seeing. You're not going to get a disagreement from me. I always say that to people too. Yeah, it would be. It would have been really nice to know what was coming. Yeah. But I, due to the clientele with heavy addictions, I don't see how anything would be any different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the 250-meter buffer that now council has brought in, if I look, I've got a map actually right in front of me here uh, that was done up for me. It shows where the shelter is in Fairhaven. Within 250 meters, I mean, there isn't a school, and yet the problems abound. So it's, you know, to me, a school is part of it, and yes, we can we can argue we need to keep the children safe, but your point is putting it in a residential area, period, is likely to attract some challenges. I really feel like that, and I also feel like if City Council had actually wanted to protect residential communities, they could have extended that buffer, and I don't understand why they didn't. I don't understand what's going on, but if they made it larger, they would have essentially been protecting every residential community in the city. I'm guessing that shelters is going to continue to be a topic that will weave its way through bugs and hugs here for the next hour. And I appreciate Gail calling in and starting us off. one 332 8255 Let's go to Ross now in Saskatoon. Thanks for calling in. You've got a bug today, Ross. What is it? Yes, I do. Thank you very much for taking my call. And uh, I'm going to carry on this conversation. I live in Fairhaven. We have lived in Fairhaven, sorry, my wife and I, for over 40 years now. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like to thank Robert Pierce for what he's been doing for the community and sticking up for us. But the people of this city need to wake up. They don't realize what's happening. And we sat through a couple of city council meetings now, and it's a gong show. It really is a gong show. And they have no concept of spending. Um, We could carry that further into our federal government. But anyways, here in the city, they I mean, a new arena, a new downtown library. Um, an empty lot that's sitting there now, and they thought, forgot there was a gas station there once. But anyways, 
back to the playgrounds and our parks here in, in Saskatoon, our kids have seen things that even shock adults. And it, it's sad. We yeah. used to take our dog there all the time. And we went after this center started, we came across an encampment, and I can't even tell you what they were doing under the trees. Use your imagination and think about it. Mm-hmm. But And it's scary to take the dogs because of the needles and the paraphernalia. We just can't take a, ch- a chance of the dog sniffing a meth pipe or something. But anyways, um, the city said that they weren't involved when the shelter was built or opened, uh, but they jumped all over the nixing the Sutherland 30-bed shelter, leaving us with 106. But uh, maybe the city should be going after Scott Moe and his government. They're the ones that are funding the shelter, looking at renewing the contract with the shelter, and I know that there's many, many people that are against that. But anyways, the other one, it's not all roses inside the shelter either. Yeah. As people are being led to believe. Our daughter's been inside there twice. And uh, if you can imagine 106 beds in a little cots lined up beside each other, so you're going to be sleeping or laying next to who knows what. Well, and, and you know, I mean, Russ. Bed, you've got a one bathroom. One bathroom for 106 people. Well, there, there's actually more than one bathroom. I'm just going to correct you on that, Ross, just because I, I know I, I've got some knowledge, too, about how the inside of the shelter works. They've got uh, they've got a bathroom in the back with a shower, a single bathroom in there, but there are a couple of other bathrooms where there's more than one stall in the bathroom. That You know, I think, I think we can safely say that operating an emergency shelter is not easy work. It's not clean work. It's dealing with complex needs, and it's not perfect. I mean, you've got, you're right, exactly the way Ross describes it is how shelters often operate is beds lined up one beside the other. Definitely not what most of us are used to, but many would argue better than not having anywhere to go sleeping outside in this type of weather in a tent or something like that. And so the theory is, you know, do the rough work that's needed inside the shelter. And I saw it here in Regina as well. It's rough work and not all succeed. There's a, a good chunk that don't succeed, but there are some that do. They get connected to a, you know, a proper living space. They get connected with supports and they can turn things around. It's the ones with very complex needs, the ones that are likely turned away from the shelter that our friends in Fairhaven are seeing the consequences of. The ones that are, as you just heard Ross say, uh, in the park setting up you know, different shelters because they've been turned away from, from one that's there. Uh, and maybe those needs are, are such that they're considered a safety hazard inside the shelter. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it is a complex thing. There's nothing easy about it. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, I'm going to, uh, keep moving along here. one 332 8255 I got Wayne in Saskatoon. Thanks for calling in, Wayne. You've got a bug today. What is it? Uh, it's worse than a bug. It's more. Then, it's over the over the top. Yeah, I'm really don't understand what makes Scott Moe tick. He picks fights with the Trudeau government for the last five six years. Says fighting, 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 and who pays for it? We do. Here we go. He's saving us average homeowner homeowner <laughs> around twelve dollars a month on the heating costs from the carbon tax. Well, thank you. Now. Trudeau's government saying no carbon tax rebates for Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think that's costing everybody? More than $12 a month. Mo should shut the blank up and worry about us for a bit. 
So it's it's you basically Wayne had enough of the fighting with Trudeau and time to focus on the needs at home. And you know what? Wayne's not the only one saying this. The text line shows there's a lot of people saying it seems like it's a constant fight. Now, the Trudeau government, I don't think it's it's a, it's hard for us to see, haven't exactly been fair or favorable to Western Canada generally. There's a whole bunch of things that we can point to. And, I mean, I was frustrated, like I think many people were, on this carve-out for Atlantic Canada. But I hear what Wayne's saying. There's a lot of people that are saying, look, enough with the fights with the feds. We have to find a way to, number one, focus inside the province at the problems we have here. And maybe we'll look at building a relationship with the federal government to try and get some help with some of these issues. I'm not convinced, though, um, with just the way (laughs) the current governments are lined up, that that's necessarily something that's going to happen. 1-877-332-8255. I got time for one or two before we take our first break. Let's go to Owen in Ituna. Thanks for calling in, Owen. You've got a hug today. Hey, hey, Elvin. I would like to uh, talk about the passing of Brian Maroney. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great. He, now I, I I know a lot of people are gonna. I'm gonna get get some backlash for this, but I think Brian Maroney was a great. Prime Minister, he did a lot of good things for Canada, but yes, he did a lot of bad things. But I think he spoke very eloquently about Canada, and he had a great passion for Canada. So we're we're sending a hug out to the family and uh, and the community around Brian Mulroney. Thanks for that, Owen. Appreciate you uh, calling in. I'm going to grab one more call before we take a break. Let's go to Jeff in Saskatoon. Thanks for calling in, Jeff. You've got a bug today. Yeah, I do. So um, my bug is to do with the zoning amendment that happened yesterday. Um, that only affects emergency shelters. So the, the one in Sutherland is set up to be an emergency shelter, right. which has an 18-month operating window. Um, so when the shelter in Fairhaven came about, we were told that City Council had no knowledge and that it meets the zoning requirements, and therefore they had no duty to consult. So the requirements that it met was that it was a special care home under M2 zoning. Mm-hmm. So the interesting part is that the fire hall in Sutherland has an M3 zoning, which can also allow for a special care home. Interesting. Well, it, you know, the wording, it's funny you bring this up, Jeff, because I noticed I, I went back and watched, I wasn't able to watch all of the council meeting live because I was on the air doing the show, but I went back and watched bits and pieces of it. And I mean, as much as that is dubbed as a wellness center in Fairhaven, it was called a shelter on the floor of council pretty much continuously yeah. through the morning. So, you know, I think you're you're hitting on something here that's important. Wording is important. Yeah, it's, it's to do with the city, the city zoning, and, and they don't really seem to understand it. Uh, the reaction yesterday was more of a knee-jerk reaction to just try and stop the shelter. But technically, if this shelter is treated the same as Fairhaven, the province could move into that facility as a permanent special care home. Mm-hmm. You're right. The province does have that ability. We talked a bit about this yesterday uh, in the discussion we had with Zach Jeffries. The The province does have the ability to make this decision without kind of the city's consent. And that, uh, I think, is worris- worrisome to lots of different communities and something that councils have to be very vigilant to uh, when they're trying to work with the province on choosing these locations. And so it's uh, we're chasing 
I feel like we chase our tail a little bit on this topic. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. People are still lined up on the phone, on the text, one 332 8255 Bugs and Hugs continues when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Bugs and Hugs. For Alibi Vodka. Well, Bugs and Hugs continues. Phone lines lighting up. The uh, shelter issue is a big one for sure. Just want to check in on the text line here. And Jason in Regina brings up a bug that is, I think, directed at probably me and the radio station. And I think it's fair. It's fair. Jason says, teachers are making the news every day. But what about SGEU? It's been without a contract for a year and a half, which is a good point. September 30th, 22 was when the uh, collective agreement expired for SGEU. And I think part of the, you know, part of the reason, Jason, is that it hasn't been fought as publicly as the teachers. It hasn't been in our face as much. I know, um, you, there was an impasse that was reached at the table back in early February. SGEU has been basically saying, okay, we need to appoint a mediator. We know how well a mediator worked with the teachers. So will it work in the case of SGEU, which represents a lot of people, 11,000 members, uh, firefighters, correctional officers, child protection workers, conservation. Uh, there's a lot of people that are part of SGEU. So we have to keep our eye on that. Jason, thanks for bringing it to my attention. I appreciate it. That's fair. That's fair to bring that up as a bug. But speaking of teachers, a lot of people are texting in their their thoughts and concerns when it comes to the teacher issue. For example, uh, Sean and in Moose Jaw says that, you know, can we not think about the fact that the government is not the problem? It's the school boards who refuse to allow students to attend elementary schools and other subdivisions that have less students per class. So there's some frustration there. Another text here that says, it bugs me that the media, that's me, partly me, the media is repeating the union spin calling strike action by STF sanctions. What they're doing is strike action, pure and simple. Trying to make it politically correct just makes it seem like the people listening are stupid. We actually talk a lot about what we call that. Murray Wood, who's the uh, programming director for News Talk Radio, and I have this talk all the time, whether you call it job action, job uh, job sanction, strike action. At the end of the day, it's strike action is what it is. I mean, it's they're they're taking steps. It might not be a full out strike, but it is it is strike action. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different terms for it. So fair enough, Lance. I hear what you're saying. The teachers are taking job action, strike action, sanctions to try and get their point across. And as we know today, it's pulling again, that noon hour supervision. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. one 332 8255 Ari in Saskatoon, thanks for calling in. You've got a bug. Hey, I'm bugged at our city council, in particular the mayor. But before we begin, Evan, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Are you a racist? <laughs> no, I am not. Was that an appropriate question for me to ask you about your radio show? Well, you know, I mean, I think I have to be open to answering questions like that. I think I know where you're going. This question was asked on the floor of council this week, correct? Correct, by the mayor. So the, the Reverend Rob presented this petition. He talked specifically about the shelter. Never once mentioned anything about the people. And I thought it was mayor, Councillor Curtin that asked the question about racism. No, he asked, about, he asked if racism was involved. But in the question and answer period, Mayor Clark specifically asked, said, I have to ask you this question. Are you a racist? Those were his words. And it was like, I was listening to it and I was floored. Mm -hmm. I was like, you are throwing a whole other agenda in there that has nothing to do with it. And it it never came up. 
So what does that say about where the mayor was thinking on this whole issue? And I mean, it was just not appropriate. Well, this, this kind of has played out a bit, Ari, between, um, of course, Chief Arcand of the Saskatoon Tribal Council and Pastor Pierce, who was on the show this morning, because... You know, I, I remember Chief Arcand, he was frustrated when the pastor was asking to shut down the shelter, and he brought racism into it. In fact, when I had Chief Arcand on the show, I said to him, I don't understand how the racism part comes in. And we got into a long discussion, and we may not completely agree on uh, where we landed there. But, yeah, back to the council. I, for some reason, I was under the impression it was Councillor Curtin that had asked that question. And you know what? Even if it was Councillor Curtin, it was distinctly the mayor, but even if either of them, this isn't about individuals. This isn't about the individual motives. All right? There is no... He's not doing it for himself. Nobody is doing it for themselves. By basically, you could ask the same question, is Chief Arkan creating the shelter to create his own power empire? I mean, that's an inappropriate question, too. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that. You have to believe that people are on the issue. And when the mayor said that, it was like, hold on. Why are you even asking that question? And I would love somebody to follow up with that. He won't come on the radio, of course. He's, he won't show up to the public, and he won't have those tough conversations, unfortunately. But somebody needs to challenge it and go, what was your motivation in asking that? I'll do, some, wants, I'll do some yeah. digging into it for sure, Ari. I will. Yeah, because if, he, if it was like, well, I really wanted to know, well, then why didn't you ask him privately? Or why did you make it a public spectacle? Mm-hmm. Or were you fronting? for the narrative that they're trying to use to defend the shelter. There, you know, part of the reason, Ari, why you asking me that question, I, I've been asked that question before as chief of police, right? So sometimes, you know, these questions, whether they're appropriate or not, they get thrown out and you're, you're in, you end up dealing with it. And so I'm not going to say I love answering the question, but it is one that has been posed before. And I appreciate you calling in and, and raising it. We'll do some digging into kind of exactly what was said on the floor of council and, uh, Maybe we can even bring that up in a in a future show, maybe be able to address it a bit next week. All right. Sadly, for the people that are waiting on the phone, we do have to take another break. we got the news coming up here at the bottom of the hour. So I'm hoping that the people that are still on the phone, they've got a couple of bugs that we will get to you when we come back right after this. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good morning and thanks so much for joining us. Bugs and hugs. Kind of more like bugs and bugs today. I think we got a lot of people bugged by things. The shelters, a big topic. I've got a bug of my own. I'm going to uh, get to a couple more calls here first, and then I'll come around to it. But fair warning to my former coworkers, you're probably not going to like the fact that you're a part of my bug. We'll get to that in just a second. one 332 8255 Okay, let's go to Shira now in Saskatoon. What's your bug today, Shira? Hi. So nobody wants to talk about what happens inside the shelter. And I agree that there are good things that are happening, and it's a dirty job to do work inside of a shelter, and there's a lot of um, things that happen, you know, that you can't control. But something that you can control is drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the things that is a violation of the lease of STC in the shelter is drugs and alcohol. And that includes the fenced-in area. And when we drive by and we see people shooting up openly or we see people tipping a vodka bottle back, that's a direct violation. And that's what we can see with a naked eye. And that's happening, Shira, inside the compound, like the area? That happens inside the fence. Mm -hmm. And you can see bottles of liquor um, laying on the the ground inside inside those fenced area. Um, I know people who have gone in and seen actual needles inside 
the shelter. That, that's a direct violation, and those are things that can and should be taken care of inside the shelter. So, no, the shelter is not being run exactly how it should be, and that's why Fairhaven is calling for a new provider. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, you know that, I appreciate you calling in and giving us that perspective of someone who drives by it on a regular basis. Uh, my experience in Regina is almost identical to that. They had rules inside the shelter that you couldn't do drugs, but of course, the problem is that that drove people out. And in Regina, it wasn't like a fenced area. It was just in a building. And so when they would come out and look for a place to do their drugs, it would be on the back steps of a business or on a loading ramp of a business or near the entrance of a store. And inevitably, the police were getting called for complaints of unwanted guests or whatever, drug needles being left there. So it's an ongoing problem. Next time I have a chat with uh, Chief Mark Arcand, I will uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and maybe what could be done to address it. But it's a good point. Appreciate the call. one 332 8255 Let's go to Bob in Regina, who is in Regina but wants to talk about the shelters. Bob, what have you got? Yeah, well, yeah, I have, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's a concern. It's a bug. I understand the concerns of... Uh, the neighborhood there. Uh, the um, uh, you know I, I've worked in the inner city for uh, several decades, and uh, I've seen whole. Uh, it, uh, and it it seems like it's 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 okay if this trauma is kept in certain areas of the city and it doesn't come into our neighborhood. Uh, and uh, I, I in my job there in the inner city, I've seen whole families wiped out by the trauma uh, that that they've experienced there, and. Uh, and and yet neighbors are, still have concern for each other as they're going through the the struggle here. And uh, and I know that I've worked with elders over decades here to try to get uh, family trauma services uh, happening, and and you can't and they couldn't come up with the funding for it. The only funding that we can come up for is is the justice system. Is is funding the up. problem, Bob? Is funding the problem? Definitely funding for trauma services, yes, for, for for family trauma services. If we don't get a handle on that, this is this there's no quick fix to this. This is this is a a long term situation. It's been coming for a long time. Now now uh, when people see the problem in their neighborhood, they're they're concerned about themselves rather than about. Uh, and I understand their concern for their families and that, but it, it, this has been going. <laughs> this has been building forever here. For sure. And, uh, and and there hasn't been enough concern. We we haven't we haven't cared about whether families got wiped out. That there was a, uh, there was a wake after wake after wake. Uh, and uh, now we're now we're starting to care about ourselves. And well, it's okay. What I would say though, Bob, is that it's. I think there's there's two streams to this problem. One is exactly what you're talking about: funding to try and help people get healthy. Uh, find ways to to find their way through this other than through the justice system. And I, I completely agree with you on that. But the other side of it is, while this is happening, how can we make it happen so that it's not at the detriment of other people? And that's, that's the, that is Fairhaven 101 right there. That's what's going on. one 332 8255 Tim in Saskatoon, I think you're probably keeping us on the issue of shelters. What's your bug? Yeah, on the shelters, my question to uh, Mr. Arcand in the Saskatoon Tribal Council is, why don't they use the properties they already own that are suitable for this? For example, at 2010 7th Street East, 
It's an old abandoned school that they own. It's almost completely empty. They use it for a few things, but that could easily be converted. Why, why aren't they using properties they already own? Mm-hmm. In Sutherland, they own multiple properties around uh, the university there, the First Nations University. So that's my question. It's a good question, and uh, one that next time the Chief's on, I'll be sure to ask him. I've got a, a couple of points that people have brought up today. Uh, just had the call, the call about people that are not in the shelter but still on the shelter grounds using drugs and alcohol. Uh, now this question that, that you bring up, I think it's a good one that I will pose the next time that I've got uh, the Chief on the show. Well, let's continue on. I've got a couple of more calls that I'll get to before we... Uh, Maybe move on to a different topic. Randy in Swift Current. Thanks for calling in, Randy. You've got a bud? Yeah, I do. Hey, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a family member of, of, of a person in addictions. And, and we go to our Elanon and our Narconon and all these different support groups. And, and the one common denominator we always hear is that you, you can't, enable the addict. You can't continue to give them money. You can't continue to, to, to enable them to continue down that path. So we as families, we take that extremely difficult decision to, to cut them off and tell them as long as they're doing drugs, we don't support them and we can't help them. And then they just turn around and they go to social services and social services will give them money for a house, will give them money for food. And, and yes, it's, it's not a lot of money, but it continues to enable them. Mm-hmm. And then they go to shelters where they get fed, and it enables them. And to me, there should be no shelters. We don't need shelters. What we need is rehabilitation centers. And if these people aren't willing to commit to, to helping themselves and rehabilitation, then we have to do and we're losing you a little bit, Randy. I don't know if it's a phone problem or not, but you're starting to fade out on us there. But, I mean, I, the point is well made that uh, there is a very fine line between helping and enabling. And especially appreciate when someone like Randy can call in with firsthand experience as a family member of someone who's who's dealing with addictions and the difficult decisions and choices that they've had to make. Okay, I want to take another quick break because we still have calls coming in and I still have my uh, bug that I need to get out uh, that both the Regina Police Service and SGI might not be jumping up and down about, but we'll get to that next. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. This is Bugs and Hugs. For Alibi Vodka. Good morning and thanks so much for joining us. Bugs and Hugs is... uh, been pretty much full-on shelter talk today and a lot of i'm not surprised by that we had pastor robert pierce on this morning and uh, that lends itself to it being top of mind for people and i've still got a couple of callers i'm going to get to here in a second but i want to talk about this it's a bug of mine and i said it earlier it's not going to go over well with some of my former co-workers at the regina police service but the regina police service and sgi have recently announced a new initiative launched for the month of March. So today's the first day of March. It's going to be happening for the month, basically requiring drivers to take a roadside mandatory alcohol screening test when they're pulled over. So if you're driving and you get pulled over for speeding, you get pulled over for a seatbelt infraction, you get pulled over for distracted driving, doesn't matter. In the month of March, you will be asked to do a mandatory alcohol screening test. Now, when you pass, 
because most of you will, you will be given a smile, which is always nice, and a gift certificate for a cup of coffee on behalf of SGI and RPS. So I understand what they're, it's bringing about awareness to impaired driving, trying to drive down impaired drivers. In 2018, the law changed. Before 2018, police needed reasonable suspicion to believe that the driver had been drinking in order to do that roadside demand. So you would have to see the car driving erratically, weaving. Maybe you've pulled them over for a different reason. You notice their bloodshot eyes. You can smell alcohol. They're slurring speech. Any of those things would give you the ability to say, uh, hang on a second here. I think you might be paired, impaired. And as a result, I'm going to give you a demand for the roadside screening device. That changed in 2018. The federal government actually made a bunch of changes thanks to the legalization of cannabis. And along with that, they made changes that basically police could do this at any time. And there were a couple of small agencies in Saskatchewan right when that changed that decided that was going to be standard operating procedure. And I can remember being at a Saskatchewan Association of Chiefs of Police meetings and saying, and many people, many chiefs did say, hang on a second here. This is a slippery slope if we just start basically just because the law allows us to do it doesn't mean you should. Well, here we are, and I know it's for a month, and I know it's to raise awareness about impaired driving, but I don't think this is going to be met with favor. Just every single time the Regina Police Service pulls someone over for a traffic infraction, which, by the way, happens... I'm going to say hundreds of times a day in the city between traffic officers, frontline patrol officers, the number of traffic stops that happen in our city every day, like easily in the hundreds. So we're going to be doing mandatory breath tests on hundreds of people driving to hockey, getting their kid to hockey practice, getting to work in the morning, whatever the case may be. And I'm, you know, Hey, you break the law, you break the law. We have traffic safety rules for a reason, and that's why we do traffic enforcement. That is super important. We have to do that. SGI, great partners in making sure our roads stay safe. I'm just not sure about absolutely everybody that gets pulled over has to do a mandatory alcohol screening test. I guess the way to avoid it, don't break any traffic laws. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, I promised I'd get to a couple of these callers. Rick in Gull Lake, thanks for calling in. What's your bug? Uh, the lack of common sense. We're talking about shelters, and when we get the co- you know, we'll have the cost involved with shelters. We got the cost involved with rehabilitation. We have our hospitals that if you go into the hospital at three o'clock in the morning, whether it be Regina, Saskatoon, and I know Swift Current, it's all full of drug people. When you, when you take a, take a look at all the costs here, all the rural crime, the crime that's happening is all, the majority of it is drug related. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just use common sense and get to the source? If we, instead of concentrating, we could get all free up, you know, our hospitals, we get so much money and let's put it towards getting rid of drugs. drugs getting rid of drugs and getting people that are addicted healthy. Yes, we want to get them healthy, but it's a lot easier. We'll have a lot less to get healthy if we get rid of the drugs. 
True. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, and then that was the big part of my life was working in enforcement and trying to limit the amount of illegal drugs coming into a community. The problem is the people that are addicted just because there's no drugs doesn't mean they're not addicted. They're still addicted and they're going to find a way to find something. And it could be something, a household cleaner for all we know, something to try and fuel and feed that addiction. And it's a, it's a revolving door. There, no doubt we have to deal with the drug problem. It's an ongoing issue. In fact, Doug in Saskatoon is on the line, and I think that's where you're going, Doug. That's your bug. Well, to piggyback on him, uh, I could just echo some of the things he's saying, but I just I don't understand why our federal, our provincial, and our civic leaders are ignoring this and everybody is calling this a homeless problem. This isn't a homeless problem. Homeless problems used to be in the 70s when somebody had a backpack and they just needed a place to stay, and you put them up, and then they went on their way or they found a job. He's absolutely right. This is a drug problem. And until we get tougher laws against the gangs and the people who are running the very cheap drugs, you're you're right, people can use a cleaner. But at this point... We're taking a lot of people who normally wouldn't have been in those uh, drug, uh, drug addictions to this extent and to this level, uh, people coming from families that you wouldn't expect. It's not just a, a poverty problem anymore, and I don't think we're going to ever get a handle on this. Like, We need to build a screening facility that can handle the amount of people we have and to have streams to get these people into are they just homeless? Okay, put them in the homeless stream. Are they addicts? Get them into the to a facility for addicts. If it's a psychiatric problem, we take them to the psychiatric facility. If we're finding people around the city who are intoxicated, we need facilities that are monitored with people who are trained, and you can take in a person there who's intoxicated. You get there three times, you're going to find yourself in a, in a facility for addicts, and you're going to have to go through... Um, type of thing before you can get out. Well, Doug, I, 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 you've, you, you laid out really clearly there some, some ideas to deal with a variety of issues. And I, you and I, I feel are on the same page when you talk about the low hanging fruit, people that are simply homeless. They tend to be a lot easier to try and help than those with complex needs. The drug issue is at the root of so much of the problems that we're seeing. Rick and Doug, our last two callers, both uh, basically singing from the same song sheet. We have to find a way to dig into those issues if we want to meaningfully try and make a difference in terms of community safety. Well, Bugs and Hugs is done for another week. Thanks for all the calls and texts. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.